Welcome to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. Jason Kong here with you. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. I am excited to have along with me, as always, Bill Alexander. Bill, how are you doing today? Doing great. Good morning. Hope you're doing good. I'm doing wonderful, Bill. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the show is called Asset Protection Today, so it only makes sense that we'd spend a good amount of time today talking about asset protection. And, uh, Bill, it seems like we can't get on that subject without talking about trust but let's start with the basics of what a trust is well that that's uh, for sure uh, you know it <laughs> it just amazes me we're already into almost mid-september and uh, it's just uh, that part blows my mind and I, I hope everyone is is doing well uh, this is you know this is Truly, my favorite time of year. Um, you know, not too hot, uh, very pleasant outside. The humidity is low. Life is good, except for the fact that uh, we're still suffering uh, from just uh, not being able to do near as much. But I do hope that folks are getting outside. You know, it's it's relatively safe to be outside. You know, if you're not in your home, being outside is the place to be. It's not so great being in confined quarters otherwise, that's for sure. Uh, But one thing about your home is you do control that environment so you can make sure that it's it's sanitary and clean and and disinfected and all that good stuff. And, you know, it's uh, uh, one of the things uh, that just... We have to be so careful, um, uh, and those of us who are a little older, we, um, you know, there's so many of us that do have issues that that make us less um, uh, able to deal w- with being sick. Our immune responses are not as good. Uh, a lot of folks have issues that. Um, you know, and I, I was just uh, yesterday talking to my old college roommate, uh, and I knew he had a neurological problem, uh, but I found out that he had congestive heart failure as well. And, it, you know, those are the kind of things that, I mean, we're too young to have that sort of thing. Uh but the fact is, as we get older, our bodies uh, don't work as well. And, uh, you know, I just, it's the kind of thing where, all of us have to protect each other, and, and that's uh, just so important. And, of course, uh, there's nothing more important than protecting our health, and that's, that's part of asset protection. You know, if, if we're not having to deal with sickness, uh, we're relatively healthy and independent. Um, that certainly allows us... Um, uh, to better able to withstand financial shortfalls uh, because health problems are expensive no matter how you cut it. And, um, you know, uh, health insurance helps for sure, but long-term care issues are not covered. And a lot of folks think they are. My mother always thought that her Blue Cross Blue Shield high option health insurance covered anything that uh, – uh, that she had to suffer through, but not true. You know, it's it's kind of thing where long-term care issues are not covered by our health system. It's it's a big shortfall, um, and we just you know. So staying healthy is a big thing. So let's get on to to financial asset protection as opposed to health asset protection. Uh, 
Um, and when we're talking about asset protection, we clearly are talking about the use of trusts, because the fact is, is that you, um, uh, there, you know, folks know about limited liability companies and corporations, and that does give one uh, some limited asset protection, which is part of the legal documents, part of the legal theories that you use to create asset protection. That's, um, and it's a first step, but it's not enough by itself to protect your assets from creditors and predators. Uh, and so um, the, the real key uh, is how do you effectively use trusts? And, uh, of course, uh, you can have two basic kinds of trusts. One is called a testamentary trust. And what that basically means is a trust that springs its head up uh, upon your death. And so um, that would be a trust that is in your last will and testament. And, of course, you have to understand, with the last will and testament, all that is is a piece of paper until you die and your family takes it to the clerk superior court and it's probated. You know, when a will is probated, that's when it actually becomes a will. Before that, it's a proposed will, if you will, because <laughs> a will can be challenged by unhappy family members, if you will. And, and so... Uh, but from an asset protection per perspective, a testamentary trust is really important. In fact, the way we use a testamentary trust is to uh, protect your spouse from uh, Medicaid estate recovery and other creditors as well. But it's um, that's huge when you think about it. Um, and it's legal, and it's proper, and it's, uh, in fact, it's uh, a, a, um, what we use frequently uh, in order to protect a family's uh, assets. They're called supplemental needs trust, and they're a part of your last will and testament, and that's where you generally appoint a family member to manage things for the surviving spouse. And, of course, it's really important to understand that it's not going to work unless the ownership of your property is done in a way so that your trust is funded at your death. And that requires families to change how they own property. Because guess what? Most married couples own their property together so that the survivor gets it and and. In most marriages, uh, the majority of property goes to the survivor regardless of what's in your will. Or if you have a trust agreement, with, I mean, outside of your will, regardless of what's in that. Because that's the way most folks set up how they do things with the bank and with their investment advisor and with their insurance company and, and all of that. So... The fact is that if you want an effective asset protection plan, you have to do the legal documents and, importantly, you have to change how you own your property. That means changing the title to property. So 
So one of the most important aspects of asset protection planning is, in essence, not only having the right legal documents, which we talk about all the time, but changing the title to your legal documents so that your planning is effective. In fact, that's one of the reasons it's so important for other professionals to ask and understand what your estate planning uh, encompasses. Because most other professionals, when it comes to particularly bankers and investment advisors, they just make this brash assumption that you have your title the way everybody else does. And that's a huge mistake. And in fact, the biggest problems I've seen with other professional advisors is they never ask questions and they just give advice making these bold assumptions on how you own your property. And or they suggest that you do it a way that's inconsistent with your estate planning. And you might say, well, how how does that work? And I now give you a question. I'll give you an example, and I use this all the time because it's the one that really ripped me off in such a big way. I had a, a family uh, where the wife was very sick and needed nursing care. Um, the husband had some assets that we could protect uh, in what we call Medicaid uh, planning, and uh, we basically helped the husband change how he owned the property and uh, converted what was countable property to non-countable property for Medicaid eligibility purposes. So in essence, uh, and, and of course, the big myth with Medicaid is that you have to be poor. Well, he wasn't poor. He, he had a really nice house and uh, about a half million dollars in uh, other assets that we could make non-countable. Well, the problem was his wife, of course, was uh, approved for Medicaid after we had done our planning. And then, um, and, and of course, but unfortunately, uh, he was getting older and he went into the bank and his banker suggested, why don't you sign this piece of paper to avoid probate? It will save you a whole lot of money if you sign this, which was a pay on death agreement to pay everything to his wife at his death. Well, guess what? That was totally contrary to our plan because we had everything in his name alone, which would ha- at his death fallen into a testamentary trust in his last will and testament. Well, of course, there are a lot of things that you can sign that will bypass your trust or bypass your will. And so, in essence, the banker, because he assumed and did not ask the right questions or any questions at all and certainly didn't call us, well, the bottom line is that banker was responsible for the family losing several hundred thousand dollars because he made the assumption and the husband, uh, you know, a banker is a trusted advisor. And he was going, oh, I didn't realize I could save even more money by signing this piece of paper. And guess what? They just totally uh, uh, screwed up what would have been a fabulous plan. Uh, and, And basically, and then, of course, the husband died before the wife. And so everything went to his wife. She came off Medicaid, and they had to private pay the rest of her life, unfortunately. So it was not 
a good solution. So title to property is one of the key aspects of asset protection and trust planning. Now, I know when uh, I need to basically go into some trust basics so people understand what trusts are and how they work. Excellent. We will do that. If you are in a situation where you want your documents reviewed, and uh, as Bill just described a situation, things can get out of hand very fast if you're not careful. Make sure you have professional guidance and advice. Schedule an appointment to speak with Bill. Go online to WGALaw.com, WGALaw.com. There you can schedule an appointment to speak with Bill. You can view all the services that his firm, WG Alexander & Associates, provides. And you can also register for the October seminars. One of the seminars deals with asset protection and trust planning. The other deals with long-term care assistance as well. Go to WGALaw.com or you can call 919 Two five six seven thousand nine one nine two five six seven thousand. A quick break and back with more. This is Asset Protection today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Stick around. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. You can always find more about him online at WGALaw.com. I am Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander, and we're having a discussion about asset protection. And, Bill, we, we do want to get into just how trusts work with asset protection. No question. Um, okay, so basically, what is a trust? And this will surprise a lot of folks because most – professionals describe a trust um, as like an entity or a bucket that you put your property into and somehow the magic bucket uh, takes care of things. Well, a, a trust is not a bucket. <laughs> it's not an entity. It's A trust isn't even capable of owning property because a trust, if you boil it down, is simply an agreement. It's a contract that you've created. And now, uh, there are two basic kinds. And, well, I mean, there's lots of subsets. But I was just talking about a testamentary trust. And so a testamentary trust is a trust that you put in your last will and testament. And for certain things, they work extremely well, particularly – uh, in terms of protecting your spouse, uh, they work extremely well. But, of course, then um, uh, after your spouse dies, typically the the um, distribution is to your children outright, and it's over. Okay, so the other kind of trust is a living trust. When I was in law school back in the dark ages 45 years ago, uh, uh, the—, the uh, it was called an intervivos, uh, which is a nice, friendly Latin term for, in essence, a living trust. In other words, a trust that you've created that is an effective trust while you are alive, testamentary trust becoming effective at your death. And so uh, uh, now we're still talking about a contract, whether you put it in your will or you do it separately. Now, the most common kind of living trust is actually a revocable trust, one that you can change at any time while you're alive and well. 
And uh, in fact, about 99% of the time when a professional is talking about a, quote, living trust, they're actually talking about a revocable trust. Well, if you recognize that there are things called revocable trusts, there are also trust agreements that are irrevocable. (laughs) Okay, they're designed not to be changed during your lifetime or after your death. Uh, and they can go on and on and on uh, beyond one lifetime, two lifetimes, three times. In fact, they can, in North Carolina, they can even be perpetual uh, if there's enough money in them. <laughs> so um, now that's not true in every state. Um, m- most states do have uh, limitations on how long a trust can last, but majority of, of states have rules where a trust can actually last for 100 years or more. So it just, it just depends on the state. Now, in North Carolina, it's, uh, there is no rule against perpetuities. That's, that's a fancy way of saying that your trust in North Carolina can, can be a perpetual trust um, if it's never exhausted. Now, um, uh, unlike a lot of contracts, which are... T- you know, two ways. A trust actually has three uh, hats to it, if you will. And you have the person who creates the trust. And if it's in your will, that means you're the testator, the person who has to die before it (laughs) actually becomes effective. Um, Now, otherwise, uh, the person who creates the trust the, the term is, is, can be different. We, in my law firm, use the term grantor. Uh, that's the one I think that's most common. But, you know, lawyers like to confuse folks. And so the term actually, um, it, different lawyers use different terms to mean the same thing. You know, lawyers are paid by their word. So, you know, it, it's, uh, they like to keep people confused. That's right. So sometimes lawyers use the word settlor or trustor or even trustmaker. Um, uh, so, but the or grantor that's the most common. But they all basically means it means the same thing. The person or persons who have created the agreement. Well, then the the person who creates the agreement names. A manager, and that's called a trustee in every trust. And that person has a fiduciary duty to carry out the terms of the contract, what you put in your agreement, what you put in your trust. And in most living trusts, you create a contract and you name yourself as the manager. Just like if you create a limited liability company or a corporation, you name yourself as the president or the or the manager of the company. Well, with a trust, you name yourself as the trustee. Uh, uh, and then with a trust, um, uh, you name a beneficiary. And again, with typical trust, you name yourself as a beneficiary. Uh, most times you name your spouse and then your children and grandchildren potentially as beneficiaries of your trust agreement. And so what's the difference between owning property outright and owning property in a trust agreement? Well, pretty simple. You transfer, and you have to transfer your property from yourself, your individual name, or you and your spouse, to your trustee. 
And then the difference is your trustee is now holding the property in a fiduciary capacity. And it doesn't matter if a trustee dies because the trustee is only holding it in a fiduciary capacity. So what happens is the person that you name as a successor steps into your shoes and then has, a, again, a fiduciary duty to carry out what you've stated in your trust agreement as your instructions on what to do. And so that's actually how a trust works. Sometimes a, a, you can have a beneficiary who is um, a, a trustee uh, for their own trust, if you will. Um, it's typically good to have more than one, like a co-trustee, but it's not required for, for most trusts. Um, uh, and then there's a question that some folks have that, that uh, was true back in the Dark Ages, and that is that in in most circumstances, it's like, well, don't you have to name a bank or a trust company as your trustee? And, uh, you know, back in the Dark Ages, when I started practicing trust law, uh, it, it almost always uh, had a trust company or bank uh, trust department as trustee. You know why? It's real simple. It's because, number one, only very wealthy families created trust back then for the most part. And secondly, uh, the, the banks were the ones who actually created the documents. In other words, they, they gave all the lawyers the templates to use. And guess what their template said? We're the trustee, and it's really hard to get rid of us as trustee. So the family stuck with us, even if you don't like us. Well, we didn't, you know, most of us as trust lawyers did not like that at all because we wanted the family to be able to have more control over their trust. So uh, you can name your own family member. And I, you know, I'm, it's pretty rare when I actually name a corporate fiduciary uh, as a trustee. It's, it's almost always a trusted family member or the beneficiary themselves who is the trustee. And that's really important to understand. And then you have the, benef- then you have the beneficiaries. And like I've said, most people create trust for the benefit of themselves and their spouse and their family. And um, with a trust agreement, if it's done right, you now not, not all trusts are created equal. You have to understand that. Um, a lot of folks think uh, that revocable trusts actually give you asset protection, and they don't necessarily give anybody asset protection. But I know that I've gone on too long, so I will try to explain that as as we get to the next segment. Excellent. We will go over that. And if the subject of trusts and asset protection is something you want to dive into even further, Bill has a free seminar dedicated entirely to this subject. It's free to attend right now. It's in the form of a webinar. And all you need to do is to go online to WGALaw.com and click on the seminars button. There you can register for free. The next one coming up is in October. These happen on the second Wednesday of every month. And it's free to attend free to register just go to wgalaw.com and bill also has a seminar that has to do with long-term care assistance and that has to deal with medicaid and va benefits as well wgalaw.com is the website to go to you can also call 919 
256-7000. A quick break and back with more. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. We'll be right back. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. You can find more about him online at WGALaw.com. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander, and we're talking all about trusts and asset protection. And Bill, you went over the basics of trusts and basically how they're set up and how it's it's not some magical bucket, <laughs> and it is it is a contractual agreement. Uh, absolutely. And so the, the next question in terms of folks understanding what a trust is all about is is answering why would you use a trust i mean why do it you know it it uh it's not the same old same old you, you know the same old same old is just to leave everything to your spouse and then hopefully it gets to your children may or may not depending on what occurs after your death but but that's um, the typical, you know, most people who j- just do a last will and testament, that's it's what a sweetheart plan. I leave everything to my spouse, and I expect my spouse to leave everything to our children, which, of course, doesn't always happen, but that's the typical plan. In fact, that's one of the reasons that trust planning can be so helpful because it, it can guarantee you that what you want to happen actually happens. Now, the one of the basic reasons that folks use trust is to avoid the courthouse upon death. In, in other words, to avoid the court administration, the probate of a will, and the court administration of your estate, which takes a lot more time and in many states can be very, very expensive. Um, Trust-based planning uh, takes a lot less time. It's simpler when you die. It's more complicated at least setting it up, but it's simpler upon death, and it's less expensive upon death. And in many states, or in a lot of states, such as New York and Florida and New Jersey and California, any family that has wealth at all, you know, anything that they're trying to protect, they have a trust. And one of the reasons they do is because in those states in particular, um, the court costs and administration of an estate is timely and expensive. And so that's one of the first reasons that people use a trust, to avoid those expenses. Uh, so trust-based planning is it, it's what's the old Midas commercial you, you know pay me now or pay me later <laughs> in essence and and uh, so trust-based planning is that way in other words it's it's um, more expensive uh, uh, when you do your planning but less expensive upon your death and it's of course easier for your family uh, to take care of it upon your death as well. And, and that's a big deal. However, uh, and in North Carolina, the maximum court cost is $6,000, which to a lot of families is a lot of money. And, and of course, trust-based planning costs a lot less than that in most cases, not all cases. It really depends on how much more you are doing. And the simplest of trusts, all, that's all it does. It avoids probate. And then... 
uh, it basically says, well, when I die, distribute it to my spouse or distribute it directly to my children, uh, and it's outside the court, and it's private. And that's another reason that um, because it doesn't go through the courthouse, it's what your, your assets and your bills that have to be paid uh, are not – they don't become public record. And so because they're not public record, it, it keeps your family – financial affairs totally private and and that of course uh, is a real advantage to many many families so um, but but from my own perspective that's not enough as far as I'm concerned for most families in terms of uh, why a trust should be done the the bottom line is is that uh, if all you're doing is avoiding probate, uh, and speeding up the process, uh, you're wasting the opportunity to do really, really good planning for yourself and your family. And so what a trust does, if you utilize it, is it allows you to leave your property to your loved ones the way you want them to have it. In other words, when you, even when they get it, and how they get it, and and you can leave it to them in a structure that gives them asset protection, which is one of the things that's really important to me. Uh, and and it, you can even give them control or most of the control for those resources, but still protect them. Uh, and unfortunately, you know, all trusts are not alike. In fact, um, you can have a simple trust that doesn't do anything but avoid probate. Uh, and uh, there's there's a catch in so many of these plans. And and one of the I've talked about this time and time again. But one of the biggest problems is the fact that lawyers will do these nice uh, written agreements, this, these trust agreements but then not really explain it to the family and never help the family actually transfer their property into their their trust. In other words, transferring the property from themselves to the trustee, which is normally themselves. So from themselves to the to themselves as trustee. And that changes title to the property, and that's what actually avoids probate. Well Guess what? The majority of folks that I see in my office who have created a trust agreement in the past have little to no property that's been transferred to their trust. What a waste. In fact, those families are in for a huge shock when you die because they think, oh, this magic trust works, and it doesn't unless it's funded, unless your property's been transferred. What a lot of folks don't realize, and I think some of the lawyers do, because it's where they're taking advantage of you. If you don't have your property in your trust at your death, then guess what? How does the property get into your trust? You have to go through probate, so you haven't avoided the probate, and you're, and, and everything's on the record, so anybody can see your property and what debts you've paid and all of that good stuff. It's all audited by the clerk, and it's all a public record. So 
The point is, is that if you haven't pre-funded your trust after you've created your trust, you've just cost your family more problems and more money because you go through probate, and then you have to do trust administration after that. So if you're going to do a trust, you've got to transfer your property into your trust agreement. That's the key of, of making a trust work, assuming that you have a good trust agreement. So then I, I want to talk before we get through today with what I look for for a good trust agreement as opposed to simply a, an agreement. And I see some pretty bad trust agreements out there because <laughs> this is what I do. I love this stuff, but there's so many very poorly done uh, trust agreements out there. Well, make sure you're not one of those that has a, a very poorly done trust. Get your documents reviewed by Bill if this is something that you haven't visited recently. Go to WGALaw.com, schedule an appointment to speak with Bill. You can also call 919-256-7000, 919-256-7000. Make sure your documents are up to snuff. Again, WGALaw.com. A quick break and back with more. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. We'll be right back with more. Welcome back to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Thank you so much for listening. I am Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander, and you can always find more about him online at WGALaw.com. We're talking all about asset protection today, and in particular, we're discussing trusts. And Bill, uh, we want to spend some time talking about some of the things you've seen, some of the the trusts out there that uh, aren't quite up to the standard that you'd hope them to be. Okay. Well, uh, obviously, there are a lot of folks out there that are satisfied with doing a trust agreement simply to avoid the costs of court administration and to speed things up uh, for their family. And if it's done correctly and funded properly, then that works. But that's not the reason that the majority of my clients uh, come to me. Uh, Most of the trusts, uh, in fact, I haven't done a simple trust just to avoid probate and i can't even think back the last time i did it because you're missing such an opportunity but the majority of my clients are trying to do two things they're trying to generally to protect their spouse and children and grandchildren and importantly they're trying to make sure that their legacy stays in their family. And, uh, okay, so how do you do that? So what are you trying to do when that's what your goal is? Number one, you're basically creating an agreement so that you protect your spouse, and you're also protecting your children to make sure your children get your property when your spouse dies. Um because obviously uh, people remarry after you die. And all of us have seen situations, particularly when a wife dies and the husband remarries another lady, and uh, the lady sometimes has children, sometimes not, but oftentimes the children get nothing uh, after that second or third marriage. (laughs) So 
All right, so that's one thing that people want to protect from. Uh, but the bigger thing is they worry about their children's marriages. And so they want to find a way to where they can leave property to their children where they know that if something happens to their child's marriage, you know, there's a divorce, that the, um, that the inheritance received by their child will not be taken away by the ex-spouse. They want to make sure that the property is always there for their child, and then at their child's death actually goes to benefit the grandchildren. You know, that's real important to grandparents is, <laughs> is to take care of those grandbabies. So it, it's uh, those are key elements of a good trust as far as I'm concerned because that's an issue that all parents worry about. I mean, after you get past, I want to make sure that, uh, that I, I'm not a burden on my children, that my money lasts through my lifetime and those kinds of things. But to the degree we're doing better than that and we know that we're going to have a legacy for our kids, we want to make sure that that legacy stays in the family. And that's what a good trust should do. So when I'm looking at a trust agreement, uh, the first thing I look at is, are, is the property transferred into the trust, whether it's a good agreement or bad, because if you haven't done that, then you don't have a good trust. <laughs> okay? And that's a bigger problem than most people realize. Okay, then I look to see if in the document it is stated what the uh, person's intentions are. What am I trying to do by creating this trust agreement? So to me, the best trust agreements actually spell it out. It says, I'm trying to do this and that by creating this trust. Uh, then the next thing I look for that I rarely see in a trust agreement is a disability plan. And you, you think, well, what's that? Well, the fact is that a lot of us, when we get older, get sick and we can't continue to manage our own affairs. And the difference between giving somebody uh, a really good power of attorney, which of course is something that we always recommend, in fact, that's a real important part of an asset protection plan too, too is an advanced power of attorney, which most people don't have. But when you add on a trust agreement, the difference is that a trust agreement gives the person that you've put in your agreement to manage your trust, your successor trustee, you've given them fiduciary obligations to carry out your wishes. Well, a power of attorney gives somebody power, but it doesn't give them any instructions on how to do it. Well, if it gives you the ability to say, look, don't put me in a nursing home. I can afford to stay at home 24-7. Give me good, you know, care. Give me a care manager. Give me this. Give me that. Give me the kind of diet I want. Give me the things that I enjoy and name those things in a disability plan. These, this is where I want to live. This is how I want to live if I can't manage my own money. And that gives your trustee those obligations to carry that out to the degree that you have the financial wherewithal to make that happen. 
That's huge. Well, then it's how do you protect your spouse? How and and to do some tax planning as well when it comes to estate tax planning and income tax planning for the family. Now, in a lot of folks, it's like I trust my spouse. This is a sweetheart plan, so I'm going to give my my spouse the ability to control this, and that's fine if you have that faith in your spouse to take care of things. Um, but it, on the other hand, if you want to make darn sure, you can leave your resources in an irrevocable trust for your spouse to protect your spouse. But you also know that that property will go to your children and grandchildren when your spouse dies. And so a lot of folks like that. Then we like lifetime asset protection trusts for the children. With And we can do it with generation skipping. So, again, there's estate tax and gift tax planning and all of that good stuff, generation skipping tax planning, so that it goes to the grandchildren when the children die. Uh, and it avoids – and it also is done with um, asset protection in mind. All right, so here's the big word for the day. How do you get asset protection for your spouse – and your children or grandchildren, or both. And it's one word, discretion. In other words, if your spouse or your children are entitled to receive it, it's not protected. In other words, if your trust says, my you know, my spouse is entitled to all the income or can take as much of the corpus of the trust as she wants or he wants, then it has no asset protection because if your spouse is entitled to it, the creditors are entitled to it. But if it's a discretionary trust where the trustee has to use their discretion as to whether you receive the income or the corpus, then guess what? The creditors can't reach it because you're not necessarily entitled to it. But the fun part is you can do good tax planning with asset protection trusts as well, and there are good ways of doing that too. Um, so those are some of the basic things that I look for. Of course, there are a lot of technical issues with trusts as well that you want to make sure. If you want to learn more about this, be sure to sign up for Bill's Asset Protection and Trust Seminar by going online to wgalaw.com. It's free to attend, free to register, and these are currently in the form of webinars. We would love to be back in the uh, uh, face-to-face form of seminars, but as we continue to practice social distancing, these are done online. All you need is a computer with internet access and an email address. And you're good to go. WGALaw.com. Click on the seminars button. There you can find all the information. A quick break and back with more. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Stick around. Welcome back to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Jason Kong here with you, and we thank you so much for joining us this morning. And Bill, we've we've had a lot of fun talking about asset protection and trusts. Uh, any parting shots before we head out today? Well, the last couple things are important. Uh, people move around, so it's important that your trust agreement is designed in a way to be portable so it can be taken from one state to another state without issues. And the way you do that is you don't necessarily incorporate the laws of the state. You set out the powers of a trustee, you know, you use a lot of pages in order to do that so that it's it's uh, 
easily taken from one state to another. And then lastly, uh, and this seems sort of basic, but it needs to be understandable. Not necessarily simple, but that so that you can read it and you understand, maybe not the tax implications, but you understand what you're doing for your spouse and your children and how it works. And so it needs to be readable and understandable as well. Pretty important. It is extremely important. And if you want to have a trust set up or maybe you have a trust and want it reviewed, get a hold of Bill. Go to WGALaw.com to schedule an appointment or call 919-256-7000. We are out of time for today, but we hope you'll join us again next weekend for Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Have a great weekend.